You give me just a taste, so I want more. Now my hands are bleeding and my knees are raw. Because now you got me crawling, crawling on the floor. And I've never known a girl like you before. Uh, that's a song called A Girl Like You by an artist called Edwin Collins <laughs> off his 1995 album, Gorgeous George. Uh, Joe Thurman chose that song. And um, why'd you choose it, Joe? I chose it. Uh, it's always been one of those songs to me that you wonder, like, man, why wasn't this a bigger hit? This is such a, it's such a badass tune. It really, really is. And, and, and I heard part of it the other day as I'm walking out of a store and I heard part of it. You know how the store has their own, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah. And then. I just came home and messed around a little bit and I just played it on the computer and watched the video and so forth. But I think it's that plus something triggered in me when we were talking about um, your lyrics the last time, searching for the daughter of the devil himself, searching for an angel of white. And we talked about it wasn't literal. Obviously, we talked about the duality of, of all humans, like some good, some bad, and then the balance therein. Well, to me... This just struck me. It can strike, you know, the words, if you isolate them, they can strike you in, in any way you want. But what it brought home to me, especially this, you give me just a taste so I want more. Some young lady that he was involved with, he just got involved with, and it was their first time together. And he was really, really smitten uh, with her, you know. Uh, and the next line is, now my hands are bleeding and my knees are raw. Obviously, that's not, I didn't take that literally. What I took it as is he was with her. He was really just, just blown away. And he's uh, swallowing his pride. He's whatever she wants him to do. He's willing to do whatever. He can't believe that he's with her, that kind of a thing. Uh, because now you've got me crawling, crawling on the floor, right? It's crawling on the floor. No, not literally, but just what I just said, crawling on the floor, uh, willing to uh, swallow their pr his pride and uh, uh, acquiesce to whatever she wants type thing. He's, again, I'll get to this in a minute. And I've never known a girl like you before. What it says to me is that first time, and a lot of guys, almost everybody at some point or another, you're, you're with a young lady. She's very, um, he says earlier in the song, you're knocking at my door. So she made the first move. She came on to him. Um, and he's like really, uh, uh, astonished that he knows that she's a little bit out of his league, but not too much. Not, not so that it's outlandish, but he knows that she's just a little bit out of his, but he rolls with it and he rolls with it and he has a great time with her. And the next day, sitting around and she doesn't call him and he's wondering what's going on here he's like unless you're the best actress in the world we had a great time together last night you know i don't know what it is and the next day she doesn't call finally she, he calls her back the third day and he gets like either no response or a lukewarm response and then what happens a couple of days go by and he sees her out at the club a club with another dude and then he talks to a couple of his friends, talks to some male, some female, and they all tell him the same thing. She's bad news. She gets around. You didn't know that. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. It's that first time that as a guy, you think, oh, my God, I, I've been had. I've been had. And that's kind of uh, he met this girl. She was aggressive. He had a great time with her. He thought he was getting you know, involved with maybe I got a girlfriend here and she's really smoking. She's a little bit too much for me, but you know, Hey, no, I'm going to roll with it. And then, Oh my God, the letdown that brother, she was just playing with you. 
just playing with you for that night. And it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing, but, um, it happens. And I think when it happens the other way around, uh, socially, it's like, I'm not saying it's more acceptable when it happens like with, with, with men do that to women. And I'm not saying it's right. It's not as shocking or it's not, but it happens the other way around, Brohim. And that's kind of what I, I took from, from it. And it, it's a really, it's a kick in the throat when you first, uh, you know, when it first happens, but that very first time he realized, Oh my God, she used me. Oh man. So that's, that's why I did it. How about you? It's a good song. I haven't heard that song in a while. Like you said, the lyrics, you're like, I'm choosing these lyrics to the song. And then, you know, I go through my process, looking up the song and I listen mm-hmm. to it on Spotify. I'm like, I really, I know this song. Isn't that a um, badass tune though? And yeah, aside cool. from everything else, guys, it's a great tune. It really is. It really yeah. rocks. Um, Cause if you could, can you just do, can you say, and I've never known a girl like you before in the way that he sings it just to, I guess people will know that song immediately. If you just say it like in a, a kind of the tone that he does. And you know what? You, you just said something I will, but in a second, um, you just said something where if you go ask somebody, you know, what's the name of it? Have you ever known this tune? And they say, no, I don't, I don't recognize the name or the artist. But when you play the song, it's like, oh, now I got it. It's almost what we do with the, uh, with the actors and actresses. It's like, you don't really know this name, but oh, I'll show you this picture. You know, you know who it is. Yeah. So it's kind of, it kind of quit now. I don't, I can't get. I never met a girl like you before. Yep, that's, that's all you that's, need to say. That, kind of, I think yeah. I think most people can hear that just one line, and they'll be, like, "Oh, that song." I think I'm telling you because because that really and but, um, and sure. I guess I want to say this. I, I thank you for your patience with me because I'm I'm on and on, but um, I wanted to say this about the song as well. Not only is it a badass too, okay, um, it is supposed to be um, some kind of people think it's some kind of a. Um, a tribute to Iggy Pop, who Iggy Pop, although I don't like a lot of stuff, I'm not, I don't even know a lot of the stuff he did. He's an icon as well. And he's, he's involved with other people. He was involved with Bowie. He was, but it, this is a tribute to Iggy, Iggy Pop. If you notice the guitar in it, and they call it the fuzzy guitar, cause it's got that, it's got that weird like sound to it. And it's something apparently Iggy did or whatever. So, um, the tribute to Iggy Pop, the fuzzy guitar, the great, the great beat that the song has and of course lyrics that you want to take with you. So that's why. Did you know that uh, you ever heard the band, the sex pistols? Yes. Their drummer, Paul cook uh, performed on this recording of the song. Say it again. Uh, Can you hear me? Um, I'm just making the drummer from the sex pistols. Paul cook performed on this song. Okay. Okay. Um, so believe that. Also, if you listen pretty close, if you have headphones on and you listen to the song, mm-hmm. you can pick up barely whispered. It says you'll hear if you have headphones on to the left, followed by to the right in the relevant ear during the intro. Um, you got to listen to pick it up, but it's, you know, wow. it's there. Um, it's just one of those things that sometimes audio engineers put these little like uh, um, things in songs. If you but you can't really hear them unless you have headphones on. Um, so that's pretty interesting, too. It is, it is neat. And I just thought it was one of those, one of those songs that sits out there all by itself. There are a few of those, you know, they're probably one day we'll do maybe a show on one hit wonders or something. I don't know, but it was just one of those, um, just one of those moments and the timing was right. And when I was walk, I triggered it. I was walking out of Wawa and I just heard like, you know, the, the, the opening beats. And I'm like, damn, I got a notion to stand here by the deli and just listen to the rest of the song. You know, <laughs> I'm going to leave you, but I just left and I turned it on and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to mess around and do that on the show. So that's what we have. Absolutely. Um, and you told me today that today is, I didn't know this. Today is Friday, uh, January 27th. 
uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Yes, uh, it's the designated. It's designated by the United Nations General Assembly um, since 2005. I think that's when it started. Uh, they have commemoration ceremonies to mark the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, Birkenau, and to honor the six million Jewish victims of the Holocaust and millions of other victims of Nazism. Uh, one thing I like about it too is it also rejects any form of Holocaust denial because that stuff drives me crazy. When people, I've had you know people that I know pretty well reject uh, you know people from my past that I've just known reject the Holocaust. Like they don't think it ever happened. They're, they're believing conspiracy theories. And I'm like, well, look at all like the footage, the videos, the pictures, the people who survived the stories. You really think it's a grand conspiracy? Cause that's, that's sad. So Holocaust denial is, uh, is not good, not healthy for our world. Cause it happened. Six million Jewish people were victims. And that, I don't know. Alex Jones said it didn't happen. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. That guy is obviously. <laughs> he's, uh, he, oh, oh Lord. He's yeah. a, he's a pretty sane guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, he's really sane when he's sitting next to Kanye, maybe. But other than that, anyway, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad we brought it up, dude, because um, that's something that is just I I, I can't even. I, I it's still hard for me to fathom some of the things that went on there and why and and. I don't, I don't even want to tell you some stories that I heard that are, that are, that are true, that are validated about how cruel. I mean, it just, it, cruelty we'll is talk, something. We'll, go, we'll talk about it like another show. Maybe yeah, we'll, yeah it's we'll, a good we'll, idea. We'll, we'll have a lot to get to, but yeah. we had to recognize and acknowledge it. Um, another thing yes. about it is, um, the UN's trying to actively preserve the sites that the Nazis used during their final solution. And the final solution involves killing centers, concentration camps, and prisons. Mm. So they're trying to preserve those sites. Um. Yeah. So it's just a cool thing. I, I had no idea till you told me like literally a couple of hours before the show. Like, dude, like today is like some International Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's like we'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge and bring it up. You know? Oh, absolutely. It was, it was on this day, seventy some odd years ago. I don't know what the number is, but on this date that they closed Auschwitz, they absolutely yeah. just formally shut it down, and that was this is commemorating that. So, um, and I also want to, you know, you sent me a very nice uh, voice note a couple of days ago. Uh, you were in McDonald's and something really struck you. Um, it made oh, you yeah. a little bit emotional. What exactly happened? Um, you know, I, 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 it's what I do. It's what I've, I've, I've done most of my adult life is, is work with people with, with disabilities. And it just didn't come from nowhere. My heart is always going up from the time I'm in grade school. Uh, I could see some of these other kids and they were different and I always felt for them. And I, I tried my best not to let people pick on them and stuff, but I, I'm off on a tangent. Uh, I was uh, sitting in McDonald's, probably not the most strategic meal, but this week I've been sick and I don't give a damn. And, and I said on the show, when you haven't been to McDonald's in a while, I'm telling you, I had a great meal, <laughs> fantastic meal. But as I'm finishing my meal, um, I kick back for a couple minutes because I like to just look out the window and relax for five, 10 minutes before I leave. And in comes this mother with uh, five little girls, probably ranging from like eight to 10 years of age. And one of the girls had Down syndrome. And I just thought that that was, um, I wasn't sure if it was, uh, she was the mother of that girl or just the mother of one of the girls. And they just brought her along. I thought either way, I thought either way I was going to go up and, and say something to 
to, to her and, you know, so forth and say, I think this is just beautiful. I'm a former special education teacher. I've always, you know, that kind of thing. And it's explained to her who I am and what, and just, I, but I, I, as I'm looking on, I just, I was just, I, I don't know if it's been the combination of being sick and too much cold medicine and, and McNuggets or whatever, like a, it was just like the wild combination. I just kind of got a little too emotional and I just, I just, I couldn't even go over to the mother. I had to, I had to, I had to leave. And I made it out to my car and it was just a little, just a little, you know, I didn't like, you know, I didn't lose it, but I was just a little bit, um, shaken, but in a good way. I was like keeping it together, but it with the emotions were really running because I felt so damn happy for this little girl. Either way, if it was her mom taking her out and on all the other girls going along, or if she was just straight up invited to one of the other look, either way, it's a beautiful thing. And it wasn't always like that, dude. It wasn't always like that. That little girl, a lot of times in years and generations gone by would be home alone, not understanding why she wasn't invited to this or that. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Cause I, uh, when I was at Villanova, I volunteered for the special Olympics. The special Olympics is held every year at Villanova. And uh, me and my fraternity brothers, we, uh, you know, we would, you know, we'd help out with the events that were going on. And you see the happiness of all these, uh, these young people, and you know, they had Down syndrome, obviously it's special Olympics. And uh, it's just something, you know, really touches your heart. You're like, wow, they're really having a good time. They're really enjoying this. Uh, They're playing sports. It's like their Olympics, you know, it's their big event of the year. Yes. And Uh they're, they're happy as hell. They're, you know, they're, they're doing, and they're, they're involved. They're doing something or something for them. And I just wanted to bring it out. I just, I just wanted to bring it out how beautiful that was and we shouldn't take it for granted. And guys in, you know, um, you know, inclusion and diversity isn't always just about race or ethnicity. Diversity is, is about inclusion of people who in the past weren't always included and these folks are a prime example so uh, when we talk about diversity on the show of course we talk about you know the latinos and 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 and, and the caucasians and and you know, the race and and you know because we're that way uh but inclusion also means a condition and a condition is 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 something like down syndrome or something similar and we must always remember i used to tell this to, to kids all the time who once in a while i'd see them messing around making fun of and i'd say hey come over here you know they didn't choose they being those kids that have this thing they didn't choose to be this way they had no say in it whatsoever so what are you making fun of them for you're irritating me really irritate me and i'm disappointed in you and that believe it or not a lot of times would get their attention get them thinking so um please uh to whoever that mother was um that was a fantastic thing that i witnessed i'm sure it happens more and more now than it did before but keep it going please and to the parents of of children like that you know um you're special too you're special too and i someone told me once that god will only give kids like that to special parents so just remember that absolutely it's a good story um thanks so I guess we're on the topic of food too. You're at McDonald's. Um, I tried Indian food for the first time this week. I, I've always wanted to try Indian food the past couple of years. I have a couple of Indian friends and they told me it's good. Mm-hmm. And other people who are not Indian said it's good. And I'm always thinking, I'm like, well, Indian, doesn't it spicy? Because I'm thinking of the along came pie that scene with Ben Stiller. I think they're eating in like an Indian restaurant or some Thai restaurant or something. <laughs> and right. Ben Stiller starts eating the spicy food. And then he has to go to the bathroom a lot. 
Um, so the stuff like that was always in my mind. It's like, okay, is my body made for this food? Am I prepared to eat all this, whatever ingredients are in this? Right. But I got this refrigerated product um, from a local supermarket <laughs> called Sookie's Suk- Indian Cuisine. Um, and it was fantastic, dude. Okay. Yeah. When you said that's not the way you want to try a new cuisine, like out of the freezer section. Well, of the- yeah. It's, well, I trust it because it, I don't know. I trust yeah. it. If, no, if it was it, good, Sean. It was good. Yeah. It's, I got chicken coconut curry with mango. The chicken was white. It was tender. It was delicious. The sauce was delicious. It only took three minutes to make. Uh, it says three servings, but three servings is about 560 calories. So not that many calories if, if you're eating alone. Um, it's right. very, very tasty. You know, now I'm interested in trying, like, you know, you said, you know, I got it from a supermarket. Maybe that was the smartest thing. Wasn't the smartest thing, but now I can actually, now I can venture out to a restaurant. I'm confident because I like that, how good the restaurant's going to be. It's going to be even better, you know? Yeah. I, I can remember, um, but it's like 17 and I, I had a girlfriend. She says, why don't we go to get some Chinese food? And I'm like, are you out of your mind? I said, I couldn't eat that. I, I, I cause I had a, a preconceived notion of what it was like fish heads and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I can't, she goes, what are, what are and she starts explaining this and that. And how about chunks of chicken that are breaded and like, just like in, in glazed in orange sauce and this and that. I'm like, well, and I went out and tried it and dude, I was like, like, oh my God, that? that was just Chinese food. Oh, how, how, how old are you? Huh? You're only 17. You never had Chinese before? I'm 17. My parents never really dug Chinese food. I always thought that the, from what I heard of it, it was it was just like, you know, stuff that I wouldn't like. And That's I had delicious. a preconceived notion. So I, I, yeah, I tried. And my point is I tried it when I was like 17 and, and it was like unbelievable. I'm like now I don't like everything that they have still, but because yeah. I don't eat seafood, but a, a lot of it, all the yeah, chicken. They have a lot beef, of chicken and meat. Like, yeah. You don't have to get seafood at all. I barely ever get seafood when I get Chinese. Sometimes right. I get the little shrimp and the shrimp fried rice. Mm-hmm. Um, but really I'm going for, you know, sesame chicken, the egg rolls, grandfather's uh, chicken, seafood. general yeah. shows. Delicious. Yeah. Egg rolls, I get to the, anyway, my point is, because I got off on a tangent. My point is, I know you you, talked about that. Did you replace, I digress with I'm off on a tangent? I did. Why did you have to bring attention to it? But I did because, because I, I don't want to make you, all, I don't want to make you self conscious about saying I digress now because I noticed you've been saying I'm off on a tangent. I'm like, man, did I really, you know, did I ruin the I digress? Well, I said, well, I just said to myself, let's replace it a little bit. You know, I have an, I have a very limited lexicon, but I could replace the one word there. Anyway, uh, I digress. Okay, how's that? Um, but. The thing recently, because I've, I've thought about trying Indian food too, but every time I see it, it's always about to, on TV and some show of somebody getting sick to their stomach or this or that, or the heat. Because I can't now with my acid reflux and heartburn, I got to watch what I'm doing. And from what I understand, this stuff has got all kinds of heat to it. So I don't know. So I don't know. Oh, you're talking about Indian food? Yeah. You yeah. haven't had Indian food? Nope. Okay. So maybe, dude, maybe one of these nights, man, like, uh, me and you will go to fucking get some Indian. Sorry, Curse, Curse, I had, you know. That's $20 now you're up to, but go ahead. <laughs> um, well, maybe we'll get some uh, Indian grub, you know. Yeah, maybe- we, we, yeah, yeah. That, that could be, but I have to make sure it's not spicy or whatever, because I don't know, the heartburn and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the stuff I had was really, it was, it says right in the package, it says mild. They have a meter, like mild to the extreme, I guess. Uh-huh. And it's very mild, uh, spicy. And I didn't even notice it at all. Yeah, my nostrils were a little bit, I, I was blowing my, you know, I was a little bit, you know. Well, that's anything. My nose is a little bit runny after because you know it's it's a little bit spicy, but it wasn't I, it wasn't spicy that's, at all to me. That's that a right? little spicy is fine. Did it give you plenty of rice? Here's the thing. That's what I got surprised. It didn't come with rice. It said Sookie also made the the lady, the Indian lady, who's the brand name. 
they, she also makes rice, but it's a separate uh, thing. So I didn't have rice. Plus, I don't always, you know, include the carbs anyway. Um, so I just had, you know, I had some like romaine lettuce on the side. I had a little vegetable, you know, that type uh, of thing. I see. I got, I got to say, Hey, look, I don't care what you got to do. Bring me some rice. I don't <laughs> care if it's whatever it is. I don't care if it comes with it or not. I need you to bring me some. Cause I like rice with, I love rice. I like sticky rice. I like pork fried rice. I like all kind of rice. And if they have, if they have, um, chicken or pork or something like that, and I just got to watch the spices, but maybe it might be a good thing to try it. You know, because I, like I said, my point was I never thought I'd get anywhere near Chinese food. And then she turned me on to it. And I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, okay. Yeah. It was one of those, just try it. Just, just try it. You try, okay. I did. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah. So maybe uh, I will so like Indian food. I have a continuation to my story. Last episode about how there was no Glade in the Walmart. I went back a couple of days later, still no Glade there. And I asked a couple of the employees and, um, they said they don't know what's going on. They haven't had it in stock recently. So I don't know. But uh, also another thing that happens, this is kind of an annoying thing that happens, especially when you go places by yourself. Like I was just shopping in Walmart, but there were like these teenage kids walking around just like screaming at people and scaring people and messing with random people just trying to shop. Yeah. And then eventually I saw a mom uh, running the store. She was freaking out. I think she was trying to get her son. And the police, when I was walking out, the police were there. So the police were called. But you know, it's one of those things because when I was a teenager, I didn't just go to random places and just like, you know, um, disturb the peace and mess with people at stores. Um, it really isn't a good thing to do. I don't know if that's ever had Joe, have you ever been out by yourself shopping and weird things like that happen where someone, they have to call the police and it's like, it's well, an awkward no, situation. No, but it's just, I hearken back to a conversation we had recently about technology and how it can be your best friend, or it could be one of your worst enemies, depending on what you do with it. The youth today these youths today, what they're doing a lot of times is they're getting on social networking and they're, they're conspiring. Hey, 430 over that, you know, uh, you know, that Williamstown Walmart over there. We're all going to, man, we're going to take it off the hook. We're going over there. And before you know it, you've got a 70, 80. And so and what I'm saying is the youth today, they're using technology again in a bad way to get together and to orchestrate these little uh, rebellions or whatever the hell you want to call them. And I think it's really dangerous. It's, it's really maddening. And um, I don't know what else to do. But when they start with this kind of bullshit, I, it really irritates me. There's another thing that irritates me with kids today is that um, I heard one of them bragging one time that, oh, oh, this weekend, yeah, this was a girl too. Uh, this weekend, you know, me and my friends, first of all, it's okay, not the grammar, but this weekend, me and my friends, we got together and we were walking around. We were just walking up to people and smacking them in the face for no reason. I'm like, what? Starting with people for no reason? It's yeah. somehow it's a thing. They want to, they want to yeah, prove to each other how hard they can be. You know what I mean? Yeah. How hard they can be. It's just the irritating, really irritating. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Hopefully it's not a trend, but if it happened, you know, happened, I don't live in like a really crappy area and the Walmart's not like, you know, in a horrible area whatsoever. So um, I was just like, man, like, you know, I'm happy. I'm proud of myself because when I was a teenager, we weren't messing around doing stuff like that. You know, we had our little pranks and things, exactly. but we didn't, we didn't, we don't, we don't want to disturb random civilians walking in a store, you know, for no reason. So Right, right. Exactly. Um, so parents, I got, please get a hold of your kids, please. Yeah. Teach them um, some values, please. I better. I stop. wanted to, uh, last episode, me and you got caught up talking about how pretty and attractive Diane Lane was and how talented she is. 
Uh, I completely forgot to do my top five. So I'm going to quickly, quickly. That's okay, because we were so effusive with her that she should be. It's really a compliment to her more than anything, because we were just so effusive with her. We went through every movie she did. We went through all kinds. We gave her more attention than any other artist. So it was just because we were <laughs> so enthusiastic about her, Sean, that this top five slipped. Not that we because we were a lack lacked enthusiasm. So yeah. it was just more of a compliment to her. But uh, I'm off on a tangent. I'll let you did go. You ahead. know, did you know that she dated Bon Jovi for like five months? Didn't know it, but doesn't surprise me. I think it was five months. I don't think it was five years, but yeah, she dated. Uh, you know, she's anyway. Rock um, stars, that, you know. So top five. I mean, my number one's got to be Unfaithful. Uh, my number two is a show, House of Cards. Um, those are my top two, and then if I have to fill in the top five, I go probably Jack number three, Hardball number four, and then number five would probably be. Uh, outsiders or untraceable, but that's my top five. Cause I had people, I guess, you know, we got some loyal listeners. They, they mentioned it to me. They're like, dude, you didn't listen. You didn't, you didn't do a uh, Diane Lane's top five. So people are, you know, waiting for these segments. So it's kind of nice to hear that people actually look forward to some of our segments. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is nice. I mean, yeah, we're only 20. This is our 24th episode, I believe. Um, but anyway, so Okay, so Joe, you chose our actor today. I just one funny thing to say to that too. I had like I have a eleven year old nephew, and uh, he says, "Oh, Uncle Joe, I just want to say one thing with you with your thing. You know that little game that you and Sean play with the questions and this and that." He said, um, "You know how you you do uh, two wrong and then one right or something like that." He says, "I think you had it." it I said, "Yes." I said, "Sean and I are trying to f- come up with uh, one one method that we can agree on." And I said, "For that moment, I had it." Changed changed and i said it's a it's a good you know i'm glad you caught that and i gave him a little pat on the back a little gold star for the day but i said sean and i are going to come up with our own consistency with that and we have decided we have decided that uh we're going to call it on the real and there's going to be one real story and two fictitious stories so through that came the uh well, we're doing, came the we're- adjustment are we doing that segment now? Is where I was going to do other uh, actor first. What do you want to do? Oh no, no, no! I just wanted to bring that out that okay. you corrected something from last week, and I just—it wasn't even an error last week. It was just a difference in methodology. But we've decided to do it the one way now, and I like okay. your way, Sean. I like it the one yeah. real. So I, it's funny you made a comment like you said like it's it's easier to do two fake and one real because you only have to find one real. It's it's the opposite for me. For me, it's like. It's harder to make up the stories because I'm not, I'm not, we're going to be at like 200 episodes. And I'm going to keep making up new stories. You know what I mean? It's almost like right. we're giving ideas to like show writers in Hollywood and stuff for all these fake stories. It's really, you know, it could be creative stuff, but I think it's harder to create that because I can just go out. If I could find a websites and certain like Unilad and different uh-huh. things, I could find these, these outlandish articles that are real uh, pretty easily. So I, I thought that was interesting how you thought it was, you know, easier to, uh, to make yeah, up. To. If I just if I just have to have one story that's real, that means I only have to check the facts of one real thing and the other is up to me because I'm making it up. Yeah. So you have a creative mind. Honestly, I think, I think we look back like at like episode 100. Like, wow, what, what fake? Because we're doing like two fake stories a show. That's four a week. Um, so four a week times 50, you know, we're, we're coming up with like at least 200 just generating ideas of like 
possible like show ideas for people. You know what I mean? It's like, well, then maybe we'll take those and maybe we'll write a show or two. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> you know? Maybe we'll use chat GPT to write us some sitcoms or something. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, it. No, it's your standard routine here. We'll come back to the, yeah, so you chose, later on in the show. You chose a legend. Um, he's no longer with us, but his name is Sidney Poitier. I hope I pronounced that right. I looked on YouTube for the correct pronunciation. I think it's Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. Poitier. Uh, he was born in February of two, uh, 1927, died January of 2022. He's from the Bahamas, but interestingly enough, he's, he was born in Miami when his parents were visiting America. It gave him automatic U.S. citizenship. Um, he moved to Miami at age 15. Then he moved to New York City at age 18. Um, and honestly, he didn't even know how to read um, because he had, he had like a thick Bahamian, Bahamian, Bahama accent, however you Bahamian, call it, Baham- Bahamian, Bahamian, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it okay. is. Um, and he, there was a kind, he was washing dishes at like a restaurant and there was a kind yeah. older Jewish man. Yeah. He used to sit with him and help him read. Mm-hmm. And that really probably set up his whole career, just him learning how to read because he became a hell of an actor. Um, but he's considered a legend, a pioneer and a groundbreaking performer performer. He's the first black man to kiss a white woman in a movie. Um, he was a leading man in 1958 defiant ones and was nominated for Academy Award for best actor. And he was the first black actor ever nominated. So this guy is you know, pretty important for black history and also Hollywood history. Um, and then in 1963, he won best actor for lilies of the field. And he was the first black actor to win. And it wasn't until 2002 um, that I think another black actor won best actor. So it's pretty interesting. He was groundbreaking. Yes. Um, you know. And he said, hey, a lot, I'll let you talk. I just want to get my okay. thing out of the way. My whole okay. spiel here. Um, his roles weren't really about being first. They were about being moral. He would never play a moral character. So his typical character was dignified, prideful, and ethical. Um, you know, he really, he's, he's, he's quite a guy. And, uh, he laughed, he, he let, you know, he laughed and he landed an acting apprenticeship, apprenticeship, uh, at a place that laughed him out of the building originally. Cause they probably laughed him out of the building cause he could barely read. He had a thick accent, but then he came back and he got an apprenticeship there. Um, he wanted to play characters that were upright, educated, and stronger than the white people around him. I know it sounds a little bit, why does he have to be stronger than the white people around him? Well, it was usually the opposite in those days. They were depicting black people as slaves, as stupid, as not as good as white people. So he was taken to a different level. He wanted to only play characters that were stronger than the white people around him. And that was setting a good example for a lot of black people watching him in the movies. Um, in 1967, he was one of the top 10 money makers and leading men in Hollywood. Um, and that was, you know, that's 1967. So he went from not being able to really read and having a thick accent to one of the leading men in Hollywood. Um, but some black people, you know, they turned on him. They, they labeled him an Uncle Tom. Um, you know, then he got into well, directing. Yeah, he, he wrote three autobiographies and a novel. Um, he directed a movie. This one movie, uh, I think this, it's it's called Stir Crazy. Did you see it? I think uh, Richard Pryor was in it. He directed it. It was a fu- very funny yeah, movie. He directed, directed it. I didn't even realize that. Um, but this is your guy. I'll let you talk about him a little bit and give you a top five. Well, Sidney Poitier, if anyone's ever, uh, you know, he was just as smooth as silk. He was, he was smooth. He was intelligent. He was articulate. He was all those things you want to be. I mean, uh, I, st- I can remember recently, like, um, maybe 10 years, five years ago, seven years ago, seeing him interviewed, uh, and he was referring back to the aforementioned older Jewish fellow that when he was uh, like waiting tables and this and that, and this older Jewish man uh, said to him, you read and it's not, he says, not even a little bit. No, nah. he says, okay, I'll tell you what you do. 
every night after work. We punch out, I'll clean up, and you come here, I teach you. I teach you. And he did. He every single night for months on end. And he was getting choked up about it because of what this man did for him. Um, that, that was, that was a big thing for me. That was, that was, that was something that really stuck with me, but did you watch the thing I sent you with the interview that I had with Leslie Stahl by any chance? Cause yes, that had, that yes. had a lot of good information in it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, um, check him out. Um, it's great. One of our finest actors. And like I said before, I'll do him now tonight and then I'll go B actor, B actor, B minus actor. And then maybe three or four down the line, I'll do a big fish. But Sidney Poitier was absolutely, um, one of absolutely one of the last actors from the golden age, but he was so good that he kind of just, just kind of through osmosis came through this age too. I want to give you my top five because we could talk all day about Sidney Poitier. Just dude. I mean, just, just the definite, he was what Dr. J was on a basketball court. This guy was to the screen. Anyway, there was a, and I go from five down to one, uh, probably, I mean, I guess number five was a movie he was in. This was older. Um, uh, it was called sneakers. Um, it wasn't real old, but it was called Robert, Robert Redford's in that, right? Robert Redford's in it. It's, it's, it's a clever story and he plays a part in there and he, he plays any part that he plays is good, but he was involved with that movie. It was a really pretty good movie. You had blackmail and you know, you had, uh, little chicanery here and there it was interesting um that was my number five now we're going to get down to number four these next four are difficult for me to prioritize but i had to pick somewhere number four was a movie he did that was gigantic in interracial relationships it was called guess who's coming to dinner he played um a doctor a young doctor with a white girlfriend and this is 1960, whatever it was, uh, middle 60s, early 60s. And it was uh, a situation where the parents had no idea. They just, the daughter said, I, I met this guy. I want you to meet him. He's really smart. He's in, in medical school and blah, blah, blah. And they didn't know, nor did his parents really know until that dinner engagement. It's a really interesting show. Now, th- these days we'd look at it and say, huh? But this is 1964-ish when when this happened. So, and it's a it's a legendary movie. Okay, number three, from a former teacher, I'm going to tell you something. This was <laughs> this was really one that um, that's near and dear to my heart. It's called "To Sir with Love." To Sir S I R with Love. Um, it was a, he was a teacher in in Great Britain in England, and that's the way they they referred to their teacher. They didn't say Mister Poitier or this or that. They would say Sir, and that was that was adequate for for them to address their teacher. But it was all about um, him teaching in the in the nineteen sixties in Britain. And his relationship with his students, it was, it was just really neat. The second one you just mentioned a little while ago, Lilies in the Field was uh, again, 1964 ish. It was black and white movie. It was just really, really cool. It was a bit in the beginning that shows you this, this, not the convent 
nuns were in this convent and the one mother superior she was had so much work to do and things to get done and they even wanted to maybe build a a separate little church building uh and she was praying hard one night and she prayed from just a strong man to a strong healthy capable man to stop by here and give us somehow some way and, and about two days later um he's driving through that part of the country and something went awry with his vehicle he had to stop in here and he stops right into the convent and it was just really neat what transpired after that i'm not even going to uh but let's just say it was it was um made you scratch your head like we maybe divine intervention you know it was really really cool uh and the last one shouldn't come as a surprise to you sean because i've told you about the a series a series that I used to watch with my father called In the Heat of the Night. That series in the late 1980s was driven by a movie in the late 1960s called In the Heat of the Night. And Sidney Poitier was uh, Detective Virgil Tibbs. And Roy Steiger was uh, Chief Gillespie. And it's a story of Virgil Tibbs a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania uh, detective who had some business, somebody he knew down south or whatever got in trouble or was, uh, I can't, not going to give away the whole story, but anyway, he heads down to Mississippi into a small town and needless to say, him him being an African-American in the 1960s into a Mississippi small town with the sheriff and the sheriff not too crazy about him being down there, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So, and it was how um, he was received at first and how through his merits and through his ability and how, how things uh, changed a little bit and how he helped solve the case. It was just a, it was a legendary landmark movie called in the heat of the night. And again, it drove the series in the heat of the night, some 18 years later, to which I was a fan and my father was a fan and I can even sit down and, and watch them today and feel like I'm watching with him. So that's why I chose in the heat of the night. So there are my top five. Sidney Poitier is not just an actor. He's an institution and you can just check it out. Absolutely. I think I, I saw, I took a film class my senior year of high school. Uh, Teacher was Mr. Meyer. Um, We watch in the, we watch a lot of old films like Chinatown with Jack Nicholson things like that. It was, it was all about yeah. film history. The whole class was like, we, we, it was cool. We got to watch movies and then take tests about the movies. It was like, wow, I'm watching a movie now, but now I have to answer questions. So I have to really pay attention, but it made me watch film in a different way from then on. Um, right. I saw we, he's, you know, he had us watching he in the heat of the night and there's a scene um, where an old <laughs> white guy slaps him. <laughs> he slaps him right back. But originally in that script, the old white guy slaps him and Bissini Podio said, Podio said, I want to slap him right back. And when he did that, that was a big thing. It's like, okay, the white person, hits the black person. Now what do they, what do they do? And then he, right away, you slap the guy right back. So that he, and he, he insisted on that script change. So he was really a pioneer and an innovator. Um, I don't really have a top five cause I don't, I didn't see a ton of his movies, but I like the movie that he was in 1997 with Bruce Willis called the Jackal. I used to watch that. There's another movie like Unfaithful. It used to be on TV all the time. I used to always watch that movie. It was good. Uh, I saw Sneakers, obviously. That was good. And then I saw Stir Crazy. Um, and I didn't realize he directed it. So the guy's a legend. He's a hell of an actor. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that he passed away, but he lived a very long life and he made a lot of impact on people's lives. And he's forever remembered in Hollywood. So 
He yes, better sir. have a, he better have a walk a, uh, a walk a star. Walk, he better be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and have his own star. Oh, again, all. Sean, you're you're talking about one of, really. I'm not just hyping it up. He he really is. It's just yeah. and not only how, how great he was of an actor, how how great of a role model he was, how articulate he was, how he was just he was smooth. Like I said, he was what Dr. J was on a basketball court. This guy was to 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 acting to the big screen. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of go back and. Uh, when I find some time to to watch a lot of his old movies, because I'm sure they're, I mean, the the influence he had in some of the scripts and the script changes. And I, I'd imagine that he chose some pretty good scripts. So I'm excited yeah. to see some of his other movies. And one more thing before we move on about that scene was a scene where an older type of bigoted white um, landowner. And th- bear in mind, Sidney Poitier's character was Virgil Tibbs. He was a police detective, and he's standing there with the chief of police, who was Rod Steiger, right? And this guy knew the chief of police. He was good old boys with him. Uh, and he walked up, and um, Chief or um, Sidney Poitier's character said something that wasn't not too inflammatory, but just enough to irritate. I think he asked him, you know, where were you Thursday night? That kind of thing, like like verifying your whereabouts. And just the fact that Virgil Tibbs, Poitier's character, asked this guy where he was, just the fact that he felt he had that much audacity to ask me, he took a swing at him, he slapped him. And Sidney Poitier's character, Virgil Tibbs, slapped him back, as you said. And Sidney Poitier said he, he had something signed. So where nowhere would that movie ever be shown without that reciprocating slap and he said he did it not because he condones violence he did it because if he didn't slap him back this is a police detective being slapped by a a regular citizen okay and he said if he didn't slap him back he'd be insulting all the african-american people throughout you know it would be just that much of an insult so that's why he did it and i think that took cojones and that's one other thing he had too he had brass cojones so um that's yeah, that. I really appreciate you telling, like, giving more details of the story because I, I said it, I said really quick, I kind of summarized it. I'm glad you reminded you're, me. You're good at like really the um, telling a story better, in a lot of ways better than I am, and so your storytelling skills. We so pick each I'm, other up, Sean. I'm weak way, at something. Yeah. You're strong, and vice versa. The way you set it up was good. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like a producer. I'm thinking, okay, we're in a time crunch. You know, it's almost eight o'clock. We got to get done by. You know, I had to get that out. Though. Get I had that to get in. It. I'm like, all right, it was worth it. You know, you got it in. So that's yeah. what I'm happy. Um, and we're not right, on. So, Let's move on to uh, Snapple Fact. You picked the Snapple Fact. It's Snapple Fact 1521, I believe. What exactly is Snapple Fact 1521? All right, Snapple Fact 1521. I used to be way back in the day. I used to work in, when I was through high school. I had a job in different kitchens and different restaurants. It says, the 100 folds in a chef's hat. Now, if you've seen not all chef's hats, but the majority of chef's hats will have all those little Little, little folds, little, little folds all the way around. He said, it says the 100 folds in a typical chef's hat represent the 100 ways in which to cook an egg. I did not know that. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I, I looked at a research a little bit after because you told me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the chef's hat thing. So um, it applied back in the day. It applied to the, the height of the hat. The taller the toque was like, I think, the part of the hat. The more of a sh- the more a chef knew. Apparently, the tall the taller taller your hat was, the more you knew. So everyone people would see chefs with a tall hat, you know, a really tall hat. They'd be like, "Oh, that's an accomplished chef." Right. Uh, if you saw a chef with a towering hat, you you know they were likely the head of the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty interesting, and and apparently someone some 
renowned chef's hat got so tall they had to put cardboard in it for it to still stand up because it was <laughs> the hat was getting so tall the chef kept getting learning more and more things. Right. Um, but in the early days of French cuisine, uh, the number of pleats, the pleats I guess were those folds. It represented yes. the number the number of recipes a chef had mastered for a given food, like egg or a chicken. So a hat with a hundred pleats meant you were a master chef. And obviously, a hundred one. Sometimes it meant that that you knew how to cook an egg a hundred ways. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, neat stuff. Absolutely. Um, quickly, um, I have a quick update of the Brian Koberger case. We're gonna do the we're gonna do it on the real segment in a second. I just want to quickly talk about this real quickly. Um, so. A weird thing happened in the case. The public defender that's assigned to represent uh, Brian Koberger, he previously represented three of the parents of two of the victims, according to News Nation. Um, so there's a conflict of interest. Apparently, uh, the the lawyer um, put a notice of withdrawal of the victim's mother's case because one of the victim's mothers had like a drug case or something recently. Um, so, but the but the lawyer who's representing Koberger put a notice of withdrawal. He should have continued to represent her, but he wanted to represent Koberger because it's a high profile case. He withdrew from the mother's case. And he's also represented three of the other parents of the victims. So there's conflict of interest laws in place. Um, but it's pretty interesting to find that out that the guy who killed your kids, um, he's going to, and it was, you know, his lawyer was someone who represented you. Like there seems to be a clear conflict of interest. There's power. Apparently one of the girl's moms gave the attorney power of attorney too. So it's a weird situation. I don't know how that even happened. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. And uh, I hope they clean it up. That's all I can tell you. It's very strange. Yeah. So that's uh that case is not going to be till like June. I think jury selection and whatever, everything starts around June, but we're going to have our updates here and there on the show. There's another case we're going to talk about for our current event. I'll talk about it after our on the real segment. Uh, but let's move on to on the real segment. Um, All right. On the real segment. And again, I decided to acquiesce. Go your way. I like that. Um, now that we're on the same page, literally, I like that. So one on the real one, real one, real story. So your job is to pick the real story. Okay. Absolutely. Here we go. From Boulder, Colorado, a diva, quote unquote, 400-pound black bear is caught taking multiple selfies with a wildlife cam. Out of 580 pictures, over 400 of them were taken by this bear as selfies. Yeah. Okay? That's one story. The next story from Austin, Texas. A 47-year-old man attempts suicide before friends rescued him from his own nefarious plan. It seems Jason Spencer of Austin recently found out via DNA test he is a relative of wow John Wilkes Booth who was Abraham Lincoln's assassin I'll read it again a 47 year old man I heard it I got you I got okay, you you got me okay you're straight now we got one more tried, he tried to wait, the guy who tried to kill himself is a relative of John Wilkes Booth and that's why he did it because he okay. found that out he had just okay. recently found that out with one of these 21 and me or whatever the hell is okay Pensacola Florida a 66-year-old grandma, Laura Hacker of Pensacola, had her grandchildren visiting her for a week. One day, she went on to her back porch. The weather was uncharacteristically cold. She spotted an 18-inch baby alligator toy, or so she thought. And because it wasn't moving and was very rigid and stiff, 
She figured it was a plastic toy. She brought it in and just put it in the kitchen on the tile floor in the corner, thinking nothing of it. <laughs> when, she, <laughs> when she checked out, when she checked it about two hours later, wow, it was not there. Um, she went into one of the other rooms to find a lamp knocked over and some other things, uh, you know, um, disheveled and so forth. So the alligator, she, the alligator was, it was a real alligator that came to life and started messing with her house. I don't know if it was, you know, sometimes down there you can get these things that they get frozen. Like I've seen it with these lizards down there. <laughs> so that's when I thought, I thought, what the hell? Anyway, she closed the door. She called animal you know, the people, the animal, whatever the hell, you know, the animal. Um, and they came out and um, and they, they took care of it and they got up. But it was real. What happened was because of the cold weather, sometimes, and if you've seen these lizards sometimes down there, they fall out of trees, you know, um, and they look like they're dead and they're not. Now, this was an alligator. I didn't know it happened with them, too. But <laughs> this was a weird and wild story. So, yeah. so the real one. Okay, so. I'll just say, like the the one with the alligator sounds uh, a little far fetched because she she if she lives in Florida she knows what's up she knows things free animals freeze she knows there's alligators outside, but I I'll be honest with you the first story you told me about that black bear taking selfies, um I could have swore you know through my browsing the internet in the past couple of weeks that I saw a story sim- very similar to that, um with the selfies, so the question is. Is it the same story, or did you just choose a different animal? Um, the John Wilkes Booth thing seems far fetched. Like, why? You know, don't be too hard on yourself. If a guy in your family is a potentially killed JFK, that's horrible, and you got a monster in your family type of situation. But you know, certainly don't kill yourself over it. And why did it take him so long to do it? You know, um, yeah. Like I said, the lady in Florida was probably hip to the animals being frozen at times. And what? Why would she bring it inside? You know, that, that's something. So. I'm just going with the first. I'm going with the first one, the black bear, just because I think I saw something online through my. I, I could have swore I saw a story similar with the selfies. Um, so I'm going with that. It's the real one. You are correct, sir. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Because when you <laughs> when you said once you mentioned the selfies, I was like, <laughs> I just read. I just read about that somewhere. So so I pretty much knew when you said that. I was like, oh, right, I picked out the real one. I think, but he could be fooling me. So I'm going to listen very closely to these next two. Then you heard my thought process. The other two, you know. It's, like, it's, like, it's logical, like, and I trust you're not sitting there on the – that takes I, the fun away. No, I, 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 I will go find a Bible somewhere no. in town and get the Bible and put my hand on it. I did not cheat. The, I did not cheat. I don't know. And you're actually – when you really break it down – see, I got to come up with better stories because when you really do break it down, you knew the lady lived in Florida, so she's she yeah. knows what's up. And then the it, it also thing, could have been a thing, too. You could, say, you said, say you said like a random state that doesn't have alligators – that would have been obvious too. So it's not like you did the wrong thing with the details. You just <laughs> right. one of those things where you're dealing right. with a guy who I got some common sense sometimes. You know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes right, I'm, I'm just... going to throw the fastball by you. Sometimes you're going to hit it. That's all. <laughs> the hell's the difference? But yeah, good fun. job. Hell I of like, a good job. I like, yes. uh, I like it's the fun. renaming the segment on the reel is interesting. I kind of like on the it. reel too. And it reminds Joe to get one reel. <laughs> That's all. That's all. Yes. So, and so for our current event today, um, Joe, you heard about this guy. You sent me a voice note. And we're like, you're like, you got to do this. The case just started. Alex Murdoch, oh, a South geez. Carolina lawyer. He's the centerpiece of a twisted tale of two fatal shootings and the downfall of the South Carolina legal dynasty. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. There's a whole timeline of events. Uh, basically, you know, it starts. 
he's accused of killing his wife and son. That's that's the main story, right? right? And the question is why? And then when you start digging into the why, you're like, okay, now it just makes a lot of sense. This guy's got a ton of skeletons in his closet. He was apparently stealing from clients. They only noticed that he was stealing from clients because they found the check that was addressed to him that was supposed to be addressed to a law firm. And somebody put the, the, the dots together. Like this guy's, you know, he's giving himself the money. But he sounds, honestly, I don't want to judge him too quickly, but he sounds like a, a real scumbag, to be honest. In 2015, the body of Stephen Smith, who was only 19, was found on Sandy Run Road oh. in Hampton County, South Carolina. His death was ruled a hit and run, but his family had lingering questions, right? So that happens. And then I think what happened with that, um, it happened, It ha- I think pretty sure it happened on uh, Murdoch's pro- property. Um but they basically just ruled it a hit and run. And, and but then when you find out what else this guy has done, you're like, okay, that guy probably killed that kid too, or he had him killed or got rid of him for some mm-hmm. reason. Then in 2018, Gloria Satterfield was 57. She worked as a housekeeper yes. and family for a quarter century, mind you. The poor thing. She died two weeks after she re- reported to have fallen on the front stairs of the family's hunting property. So you have these two accidents near or in around their property. Mm-hmm. One a hit and run, and one's apparently... She fell on the front stairs, and it's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up when these things start happening to the same family. And, the and she apparently part, had some kind of information on him at that point, too. Yeah, so, but apparently, um, Murdo, her family was supposed to get settlement checks or something like that. And Murdo, like, paid himself. He took the settlement checks because mm-hmm. his law firm was, like, representing or doing something. But then in 2019, it gets even crazier. His younger son, Paul... The one who was just killed with the wife, with his wife, his son Paul was 19 at the time. He drunkenly crashed the family boat into a bridge and threw several passengers into the water. One of the passengers, a girl, 19, was found a week oh, later. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. parents sued Alex Murdoch, the, uh, Paul's dad, and uh, it br- brought pressure to him to reveal details of his finances. Um, so then in 2019, uh, Paul Murdoch, Alex's son, was charged with three felony counts in connection with a deadly boat crash. He pleaded not guilty. Let's jump to 2021. In 2021, Murdoch, Alex Murdoch, called 911. He reported that his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul, the son was Paul, was the one who drunkenly crashed that boat that killed that girl. They had been fatally shot at the hunting property uh, in Islandton, wherever that is, a, a, a rural 65 miles west of Charleston. This is all in South Carolina. Um, so this happened in 2021. So, you know, all these things are happening to this one guy. It's pretty wild. And he's got a legal, his family has a legal dynasty in South Carolina. They're well known. They're rich. Um, mm-hmm. so that what happened in 2021. So this happened, he was, uh, very, so in 2021, they reopened investigations into the death of Mr. Smith, the guy who died in 2015. Um, and then in, in, again, in 2021, in, uh, in August, um, this guy, pro- top prosecutor wrote a letter to the state. Uh, he wrote it to the attorney general. He said that he knew Mr. Murdoch and had worked under his father, Randolph. Um, and they proceeded with Mr. Stone as prosecutor for South Carolina's 14th judicial circuit. So I think that's a little corruption too. Um, he's one of the region's top prosecutors, but he had to recuse himself in the murder case because he had an association with Murdoch. Right. So that's not really the big detail of this. Uh, Murdoch was forced to resign from his law firm in September of 2021. Then another crazy thing has happened. You think it's, you think it's not, you know, not crazy enough yet. In <laughs> September of 2021, Murdoch called 911 from the side of the road, not far from his home. He said he had been shot in the, shot in the head. 
He claimed the shooter pulled up beside him and as he was expecting a flat tire and he shot Murdoch in the head. Yeah. But Murdoch survived magically with that. Isn't that something? Yeah. Um, so then there's all the things that happen um, going down the timeline here. I'm reading the New York Times timeline. I got a pretty good summary with good good dates and timeline. It gives me, you know, gave me a really clear idea because so much stuff happened. I was like, how do I keep up with it? How do I, how do I bring up all these events? Um, so the housekeeper's family sued uh, Murda because he pocketed the settlement funds, as I said. Um, and then uh, Murda was arrested in October of 2021 for uh, he was out of Florida drug de- detoxica- detoxification center. He was charged with swindling millions of dollars uh, from the sons of Mrs. Sat- Mrs. Miss Satterfield. Anyway, nice guy. All this stuff nice happened. Guy. The hearing just started this week. He was indicted on two counts of murder. Uh, but then he was also indicted on nine counts of tax evasion. Um, he defrauded people in the range of $8.8 million. Um, so now jury selection just happened on January 23rd. And here we are. So, Joe, you saw some of this on the news. It's going to be on probably all the, the stations like uh, True TV. I was going to say Core TV. I don't think Core TV exists anymore. I think it's now called True TV. But, you know, what are some of your initial thoughts about this gentleman? I think that the circumstantial evidence adding up again, just like the other Joker, um, with the, with the four stabbings or whatever, the circumstantial evidence is starting to really, really, really pile up. And, uh, I'm just shocked at two things. I'm shocked, first of all, at this guy, um, and how much of a sociopath he really seems to be. Um, he really is he a sociopath or is he is one of those guys who was back in the corner he had like no choice and he started making some terrible decisions no uh you know survive you know i'm not sure to be honest with you yeah yeah, i'd have to have more information to make a determination but i'm going to tell you sure smells like a sociopath number one the second thing that really surprises me and really makes me sick is the fact that um in this country when you can get some money and then you can get some money, you, 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 you can get some, you can persuade some people to, to do, to do certain things and, and to look, look away at certain times, you know, and money is power in that regard. And you can be a real, I'm real honest to God reptile like this guy was for so long and get away with it. It's just, it's really disheartening, but I hope they catch up with this son of a bitch. And I really hope, to, and the other son of a bitch, um, because really, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, just, uh, it's, it's, I, I listen, first of all, none of this stuff is, is good. None of this stuff is permissible. None of this stuff is even conscionable, but the one guy stabs four kids because he can't get laid. Okay. That's kind of what it comes down to. That's, that's the first one. Second of all, over here, this guy made mistake after mistake and he's covering up. He's getting away with covering up. He's covering up the kid getting hit. He's covering up his, his other kid with the girl falling out of the boat and drowning. He's getting away with everything and he's covering up. And, uh, he just, went out and he shot Sean. Let me just say one more sentence. Yeah, he went out and shot his baby boy and his wife. You, you, yeah. oh, I almost said the F word. You son of a bitch. And he sits there like, he sits there like he's uh, like, ah, uh, I can't even, I can't even get into it. But I hope, I hope we catch up with both of these guys. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. If you have HBO Max, um, there's a, there's a documentary about this, uh, whole case on HBO Max. And this is actually, you know, before the whole court case, it tells you a whole story about what's going on. Probably talks about all the events I, I said in the timeline, but they probably have interviews with real people. I started watching it the other night, but I didn't, 
I got too tired and went to sleep, but I'm definitely going to finish it. Um, the trial is expected to run through February 17th. And Murdoch's lawyers haven't, they haven't said if he's going to testify or not. Cause if this guy testifies, imagine watching him on the stand. That's going to be entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure will be. But I said to you, if we're going to do the one joker with stabbing the four kids, we've got to do this, guys. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And then we give some backstory. The reason um, he apparently asked someone to shoot him in the head and kill him, uh, he asked this guy, Mr. Smith, because he thought it would be ruled a murder. Then a suicide. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. It was supposed to be ruled a murder. And his older son, Buster, he's another son named Buster. So his older son, Buster, was supposed to collect his life insurance policy. I believe it was about like $10 million or something like that. Um, but uh, Murdaugh and the a gentleman who he hired to shoot him uh, were also a, uh, charged with insurance fraud. So, you know. Here's uh, the thing. Story, let me tell you real quick. His story about what happened on the night of the, the shootings um, with his wife and son he claims that he was uh, away from the hunting property, visiting his mother. He was with a nurse assistant. Then he returned about an hour later and he found the gruesome crime scene. So he seems to have like the worst possible alibis. Everyone knows he's lying, right? Yeah. And he's covered stuff up before. I mean, how many times can you stand on one end of, with a telephone saying, I want to report bodies laying around? And <laughs> it's like, get away with it all day. It's just, he's got to be, he's got to be caught up with. But who knows? Maybe they'll, I don't know. Maybe the, you know, I don't, depends on the jury, you know. <laughs> We've seen that. So we'll see what goes on. Absolutely. So it's going to be interesting. So we're going to have our Koberger segment, like every episode, little things that happen before the Koberger thing starts. But this case is taking the forefront. The Murdoch case, we're going to start doing updates in the Murdoch case. You know, I'm going to try to check out little clips of the trial because I can't, you know, I can't watch the whole trial. I have, I have a job and a life, you know, right. uh, I'm just not able to do it. But I can watch clips of it at least. So I can DVR it and just watch a little bit. And I'll do it for the show because I want to have really solid information. And I'll have my little observations what I observed in court because I did go to law school for a little bit. So I know a little bit about what goes on there. Um, but anyway, we're going to have updates about Murdoch. That's our current event today. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. The update, you know, this case is very interesting. That's all I'll say. Um, but moving on to sports, um, Joe, big game Sunday, Eagles 49ers at three o'clock. Yes. And then, uh, you know, you got the Bengals game after that. So Sunday is going to be fun. Sunday is going to be crazy for me because I'm going to see Villanova versus Providence at the Wells Fargo center. That's at 12 o'clock and Eagles are playing at Lincoln financial field at three o'clock. And the tailgating opens up for the Eagles fans at 8 a.m. <laughs> so it's going to be a mess. I'm just hoping that parking is not going to be crazy because I have parking passes and I don't know. I'm looking forward to the game because Providence is ranked. And, you know, if we beat them, it'll be a, you know, our first win, I think, this year versus a ranked team. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be cool. But I'm just, you know, I'm concerned about the parking lot. There's going to be a lot of rabid, drunk Eagles fans. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but you know, what, what's some of your keys to the game, Joe, what do you think about the Eagles 49ers? The Eagles, I saw they're favored by two and a half points, but I just checked again. Some, some betting sports books has them favored by three. Now they moved up half a point. So. Well, yeah, it, look, and from the time this thing was shaping up, it's like, wow, this is, what do you do here? Like the, the immovable object and the irresistible force. And what do you, and I kind of think it through and I try to step back and think about it as objectively as I can. And the way I see this thing, I mean, you've got the number one defense in San Francisco 
But it's only like, you know, if you line these two defenses up and you compare, because the Eagles are number two, the second defense in the league. And the Niners are only number one because of the formula they use is certain. They're, they're a little bit ahead of them in certain areas, like in certain, you know, when you do the math. But when you really look at it overall, you've got two damn, damn good defenses. Okay. What, when I look at this thing, I look at any other game. Okay, let's look at the Eagles offense against the 49er defense. 49er defense is going to uh, lock, stock, and barrel. They're going to, yards are going to be hard to come by uh, when you're running the football. So now what we have to do is uh, protect Jalen and throw the ball, and the 49ers' back end has been susceptible. They're kind of – they've been – known to give up big chunks and here and there now why it doesn't happen that often is because they're able to get home the pass rushes and negate the pass to this week they're going to be facing an offensive line like they haven't faced all year and these guys can protect a little bit i'm not saying bose is not going to have a sack here or there but for the most part they're going to be able to protect and if Jalen has time look out down the field so I think we're going to be able to put up points. I'm telling you, I think we're going to put up about 30. Now, just hear me out. Everyone says, oh, it's going to be nine to six. Yeah, listen, saying, I, I'm not buying all that. I'm not buying over, all that. The over-under is like 46 points or something like that. Right. So, and, and, and that's, that's fine. And I, I, I was almost there myself for quite a bit of the week. Like, yeah, this is really going to be. No, I, I know I think you're saying. I kind of, I'm kind of lockstep with you. I think the. I don't think it's going to be as low scoring and boring as people think. Cause the 49ers just had that type of game with the Cowboys. I think, uh, yeah, I think I think this I think the Eagles could put up some points here, especially if they win. I, I think I think the Eagles are going to put up thirty. Um, and don't forget this without a defensive score, they might have a defensive score because this kid may get rattled and throw you that little. You know, I don't know, but let's just say thirty. I'm thinking thirty for the Eagles to think about it, and it's not outlandish. They're going to be chucking the ball down the field against the 49ers uh, secondary. That's very very iffy. Okay, that's the only iffy part of their whole defense. Now let's flip the script. Now we got the Eagles defense, who again is just as good as the San Francisco defense. I mean, maybe a couple percentage points. Uh, they were higher. They, someone had to be one and someone had to be two. But the disparity is not that great at all. They're really neck and neck. So um, now the 49er offense, they run the hell out of the ball and they are good. The Eagles defense at times can show weaknesses against the run, but at other times they can lock you down. I'm hoping that the lock you down Eagles run defense shows up because if that's the case, then it's going to be okay, rookie. Okay, kid. Here. You got to throw it. You're going to have to throw it. Now, the Eagles led the league in sacks. They're going to be all over his ass, all over his ass, number one. Uh, and when they're not, this kid's going to be looking to get rid of that football. And I just think he's got to cough, cough it up at least once. And I don't think collectively the 49ers can put up 30 on us. I really don't. Not with the way they're set up. Yeah. So this idea, they, they'd love, the Niners would love for it to be a close, tight game in the middle of the fourth quarter. But I think the Eagles are thinking, we're going to bust this SOB wide open, and then they're not even going to want to run the ball because they're going to be so far ahead. And I think they can do it. You've got, you got the Slim Reaper. You've got Devontae Smith, dude. And then you've got on the other side, you've got A.J. Brown. And then you've got uh, Goddard. And then you've got Quez Watkins in between who can get past people. So I really think the passing game is going to yield some big chunks. I think the birds are going to be up. And and there's no disrespect to San Francisco. When I'm looking at a score, I'm looking at a score something like 30 to 17. Interesting. 
Yeah, because it's going to be a lot of people are saying. Some people, at least, are saying that this is this is the real Super Bowl. This is the real Super Bowl. Forget the I'm actual. Not buying Super Bowl. that either. That's what some people are saying that, and it's going to be quite a matchup because the Eagles are ranked sixth in. They said there's a there's something called DVOA that people use in football. Football people know this. Um, it measures a team's efficiency by comparing success on every single play to a league average based on a situation and opponent. So it's kind of complex, but it seems to be pretty accurate. The Eagles are sixth in DVOA for total defense. The 49ers are first. Um, you know, both are built up front. They're, they're built to win up front on both sides of the ball. They have physicality that people haven't seen in a lot of, a lot of modern football. Um, Purdy, apparently he's posted a 116 passer rating since making his first career start in week 14. Remember his first career start wasn't until week 14. So this guy, he's, you know, he's a newbie here. He's, you know, he's, and he's doing a hell of a job, but well, that's, that's also going to work against them. That 116 passer <laughs> rating, but the 116 passer rating since week 14 is the best in the league. You know what that's I mean? Good. So, First of all, who do you play? And second of all, this is the NFC title game on the road at a place like Philadelphia. Yeah. He's going to be knocking in his boots, but go ahead. Um, basically both, both teams, they, they have a good running game. They got multiple running backs. Uh, yeah. And they also have uh home run ability on both sides. I mean, you guys have Miles Sanders could break up in a long run. You could throw a long pass to AJ Brown or Devonta Smith, even Goddard. The 49ers obviously have Debo Samuel and McCaffrey. Um, and I saw an interesting thing that the 49ers like to run a 21 personnel. It has two running backs, one tight end and two receivers. And since 2017, the 49ers have scored 70 touchdowns out of, out of a 21 personnel. The next closest to that is the Patriots at 32, 32. So think about this. They scored 70. This next second place is, is 32 in this 21 uh, personnel where they got two running backs, you know, two receivers and one tight end. So if you got Debo Samuel and McCaffrey in the field at the same time, anything could happen. And that's, you know, yeah, um, that's, didn't say it was going to be easy, Sean, no way. And I'm, I don't, don't disrespect them. Um, the Eagles, the Eagles actually, you know, they could combat it. The Eagles could defend um, the outside zone in twenty when twenty one personnel is in effect, so they can, be, they, can they can combat it. Yeah. They're only allowing three point two yards per carry against outside zone and twenty one personnel looks this season. So, right, well, they might have an answer to that. Um, and the, the coverage that gives uh, hurts the most trouble this season is the cover three, and the Four Niners run that about thirty five percent of the time. So if they're if they're playing a cover three defense, Hertz might have a little bit of trouble because that's where he's the weakest. Well, just one thing I want to say real quickly about this too. When I talk about the Eagles scoring thirty points, it's also with Hertz saying the hell with the shoulder, hell with everything. This is it. We're here. This is the NFC title game, uh, and taken off when he needs to take off because the one thing the Forty ers haven't even played this year. Is a, is a very mobile quarterback. So you've got a skillful quarterback who's also very mobile. That's what I love about this kid. Uh, but it's a big moment for Jalen, too. He's got to get it done in the big games. You know what I mean? Unlike yeah. his college career, he's got to get it done in the big games, not just the regular season. But I like um, the Eagles, too. Like, and, and the 49ers, like I said, 49ers have yet to play this dude this year, Like th- even a guy like him. You know, yeah. so I expect Jalen to get his yards on the ground too. Yeah. I'm I'm saying my prediction is twenty seven uh twenty one Eagles. Eagles win by six. Yeah, that's 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 logical. I I got it what I have it at thirty at seventeen, so that's okay. It's 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 it's, so it's, it's most yeah. experts are saying because the you know, the over under is forty six point five points, and a lot of people are saying take the under, but I'm uh, I'm going a little bit over. I'm going a little bit over, so it yeah. Sounds like you, what do you got? You got thirty seventeen. So you're going about yeah, you're going about uh about where it's at with the points. But we both like the Eagles, so 
We'll see, yeah. man. I'm, I hope your Eagles. Honestly, dude, I hope your Eagles win. I know I'm a Cowboys fan, but I hope your Eagles win because we well, will thanks, have a lot. Brother. We'll have a lot of content to talk about until the Super Bowl. We'll really be able to, you know, evaluate very closely the matchup, whether it's Eagles versus Bengals, whether it's Eagles versus Chiefs, and you know, let's talk a little bit about that Eagles Chiefs matchup. Um, so the, the Kansas City Chiefs, they've lost three straight games to the Bengals, and Mahomes has never beaten Burrow yet. And some fans, some Bengals fans are starting to call Arrowhead Stadium. Burrowhead. Burrowhead Stadium. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you got to remember, you got to remember, Mahomes has a bad right ankle. Um, his ability to scramble is a big part of his game. And he's got to make off-schedule throws. So it could be tough for that ankle. I'm just going to um, tell you that. Go ahead. I got to just tell you yeah. one thing about this whole thing. Um, and this is what I said about Buffalo, too. Um I just saw Buffalo was kind of limping into this, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing the Chiefs' defense is kind of limping into this, um, and I think that's where your mismatch is going to be is the offense for um, you know Burrow and and Joe Nixon and those guys and Chase. It's going to be way too much for this 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 half-assed Chiefs defense is what it is. Now yeah, you make a good point there because the Chiefs yeah. have one they have one of the youngest defensive backfields. They often have three three rookie corners and a rookie safety on the field at once. So there's a lot of rookies <laughs> yeah. out there. So yeah, I just think that's where it's going to be. I mean, it does Mahomes, uh, first of all, he's got to be limited in some way. Oh, I feel great, and I could do hopscotch tomorrow. He, he could tell you anything. He, he, he had a high ankle sprain. He'll be out there. He'll be numbed up, but he's not going to be quite the same. Um, and... Um, the defense for the for, for for the Bengals is 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 adequate. It's a hell of a lot better than the Chiefs' defense. And you got that factor, and you got these guys went into that stadium last year and won the AFC title game. But not you know only one thing, didn't they come back? It wasn't twenty-one three. They came back from that big deficit. Yeah, and 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 he's just not scared. They're not scared. They don't give a damn arrow. Nothing. They don't care. They don't. So, um, now. Could the Chiefs still win? Sure. They can win anytime they take the field because they're talented. And if their defense has a lucky game or plays over their head. And in some ways, I think if, if we're fortunate enough, listen, if we're fortunate enough to beat the 49ers and get to the Super Bowl, I kind of mess around thinking that, that it might be better for us to play that, that Chiefs team. Can't believe I'm saying it, but to play the Chiefs team because of the, how weak that defense is, you know, so I don't know, but, yeah. um, Sean, Sean Payton said, your boy Sean Payton said, whoever wins out of Philly and Frisco is going to be hard to beat in the Super Bowl. So I like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people think yeah. that Philly Frisco is the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's the be. real. And uh, years ago, Sean, it was though. I mean, years yeah. ago, the NFC title game, when your Cowboys used to go up against the 49ers back in those days, we, everybody knew that whoever came out of that game was going to beat the brakes off the AFC representative. Yeah, no the, who we, lost, we lost to the 49ers in 94 and they went on to, to smash the, the chargers. It wasn't even close. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and really the NFC from the time, like from the early 1980s for like 15 years, Sean, they knew whoever was coming out of the NFC was winning the, the, the Super Bowl, And it was that way. It was that way for about 15 years, guy, go back and check it. I'm telling you. Yeah, because you had you had the 49er teams, you had the Redskins teams, you had the, the the Chicago Bears that had that one good year. Then you had the Giants coming out of there, and then the 49ers again, and then Dallas. It was just crazy. It was like, okay, the NFC title game. You mean, you know, okay, you know, whoever is going to win this is going to win the Lombardi too. We know that, so yeah. that's what made those things so epic. Anyway, yeah. but go ahead. So I think what you know, Mahomes has a bad ankle, so the Chiefs really need they need to try to run the ball and see what they can do running the ball. Um, the Bengals, conversely, they struggle running the ball. Joe Mixon's decent, 
but he's not like a superstar level where he can like, you know, com- not having a good offensive line and not having good blocking. He doesn't really rise above that. He had a good game last week. I'll admit. Yeah. But, Buffalo. Uh, yeah. Buffalo he had a good never game stopped week. the run anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we'll see if the Bengals could run, but the chiefs really need to see if they can get the run game going. Cause Mahomes obviously, you know, his, it was, he's been a full participant in practice. At least he's letting on, he's letting everyone know that he's, he's healthy, but he could be hurting a little bit more than he, he admits. Exactly. Um, but uh, Burrow, Burrow, I mean, as long as Burrow's got one of the fastest release times in football, he goes, he's got a, he, the problem was he had a bad offensive line, but he's releasing the ball in about two and a half seconds. And last week's the Bills only sacked him one time. So if he gets, if, if the, if the Chiefs only sack Burrow one time, I think the Bengals win, but um, you know, it's going to be a good game though, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's at six 30. Uh, the Chiefs are favored by a point and a half. They're at home. I think Burrow wins, though. I think Burrow comes through again. I think he goes four and over the Chiefs. I think uh, I think the Bengals win thirty four twenty four. Yeah, I like the Bengals are going in there with absolutely. They're not intimidated at all. As a matter of fact, if to think about this, this is Arrowhead Stadium, and if anyone's intimidated, it's that they won't tell you this, but it's the home team because they know these guys coming in here whip our ass every time they come in here. So. Um, I'm going to go um, Bengals also because of the Chiefs defense just being trash. Um, so I'm going to go Bengals also. I, I don't know what to pick. I'm going to pick anytime you have, you have Mahomes slinging it around, you have a chance to keep it close, but I'll just say 20, 27 to uh, 20. Okay. Interesting. So touchdown game, touchdown yep. win. Yeah. And it's not as close as the score would appear, one of those things, you know, like maybe the Chiefs get a late one or something, so something like that. Yeah. Um, So that's our football predictions. Uh, I'm going to wrap up uh, pretty soon. I want to quickly mention that the Knicks beat the Celtics last night. Um, It was a big win for the Knicks. It was on national TV. The Celtics are number one in the Eastern Conference. I believe they're – yeah, they're they're tied for first in the whole NBA. They're tied for first with the Nuggets. The Nuggets surprisingly are – you know, the Nuggets got Jamal Murray back. So the combination of Jamal Murray and Jokic, uh, you know, it's pretty deadly. But uh, anyway, the Knicks won. But the, the scary part last night was the Knicks had like a 10-point lead with five minutes to go or a 12-point lead. And then, you know, I was I was occupied doing something else. But then I see – I turn on the TV and the game's going to overtime. So it's, the game is never over with the Knicks. It's a roller coaster every game because I watch almost every Knicks game, and it's never easy. You know, you would think that a 12-point lead with five minutes to go is sufficient, but obviously it wasn't. But then we had to, you know, give our fans a heart attack, and uh, the Knicks won in overtime. RJ, shout out to RJ Barrett. He finally did something really big. He hit a really big three, uh, corner three, swished it. So that was a vital uh, bucket that actually kind of sealed the win for the Knicks. Um, then Jalen Brunson had a last second block on a three pointer. Um, I believe Brogdon was trying to hit a three pointer. Brunson got his hand in the way. Because a lot of guys won't even try to contest the shot because they're afraid of fouling. But Brunson made sure they didn't foul. He blocked it. That was good. So, yeah, I mean, the Knicks are in seventh in the East. Celtics are in first. We beat the number one team. So it just shows me that the Knicks make the playoffs, which they probably will. They can they can hang with anybody if they're playing well. So we'll see. Um, yeah. uh, all right, so that's that's the show for today. All links for social media are in the description. Uh, Joe, the floor is yours. Uh, I think Preparation H works better on the whole. Good night. Take care.